Shane here, welcoming you to edition number 31 of Joe vs. the World. Today we celebrate the history of wrestling video games, and I can think of no one more suited to discuss the subject than my guest today, who I think has played every video game ever created. It's Sven Maskarenhas. Sven, how you doing, and uh, how did I just do there? Not bad. I don't think I'm quite that bad, but I'm, yeah, <laughs> I kind of know this stuff. Uh, my whole goal is to hope not, hopefully not embarrass myself. <laughs> on this thing for no me. one's ever embarrassed on this show, and you sound just like Mike Sempervivi. Uh, I sort of get that when I hear him on uh, on on PPH or whatever he, or whatever he is on now. But yeah, I kind of somebody actually mentioned that to me once. But. Wow, trickery! All right, now wrestling video games um, as a whole present a unique challenge: is that you have to take something that's not a legitimate sporting contest and try to turn it into one. Sometimes the results are inspired; other times, uh, a bit less so. Yeah, that's ex- actually you picked up on something I was going to lead with. Is that you basically have two choices with a good game. You can either go with an exact simulation of what you do see on television, which is, say, for the WWE, you get something where you're going with a really high energy, um, really entertainment oriented spectacle. And the best example of that would be the current SmackDown games. Hmm. On the other hand, you have, um, like you said, where you try and take the, the fake sport and apply real life rules and logic to it. And in that case, you get something like, I guess the best example would be Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, or how we know it as WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy, mm. whereas those are just legitimately good fighting games. Not necessarily the perfect simulation of wrestling, but at the same time, you get yourself a good, like, it's a more solid video game base, and personally, that's the way I tend to leave with myself. Yeah. All right, uh, here's a question. What was the first wrestling video game? Uh, the first one, this, in terms of the history of it, I'm not sure how far back to go. The first one of prominence would probably be, I want to just say that, like, in terms of starting, you want to start with something probably, I don't want to commit to anything, but probably pro wrestling would be the one that people remember as being the first big one. Yeah. Um, of course, with Starman and the Flying Cross Chop and the Amazon and people like that. Mm-hmm. That was the one that probably first left a really good impression in people's minds. Now, I'm sure there were more rudimentary ones before that. Um, I remember playing a game back in the Atari 7800, which unfortunately oh. is one of the things I didn't research here, um, but it was on my friend's system, and it had four characters. You could do Irish whips. You had a little bit of a wrestling game base. But in terms of huh. matching what you saw on television on a week-to-week basis, pro wrestling is probably where things started, because the NES was really the first console that could do enough things right where you can get to that point. Now, in terms of me, well, that was in terms of home games. For me, my, the first wrestling game I remember playing was the really great arcade game known as Matt Mania, or Exciting Hour, which um, is a really, a truly a classic game, at least in my mind, because I remember put punching in tons of quarters in it uh, between hockey games as a kid. And that's where, for me, it started. And, but the problem was the NES couldn't do anything that good for years. And arcade, I mean, that was the problem with most home consoles. Mm. You didn't have a catch-up between, like, home consoles didn't catch up to arcades. I guess the first game that actually matched the arcade experience would be, like, Street Fighter 2, and that's in 1993. So yeah. for the first 10 years of really good home consoles of the Nintendo generation, you didn't have that. So arcades are where you went to get as good games as you can get, and Exciting Hour was probably the first one of those. All right, well... Since you mentioned pro wrestling on the uh, NES, that was where I started personally. And for a game that came out 20 years ago, I played it a little to, to research this. It's a little primitive in points, but they got a lot of stuff right in that game. Yeah, they did. I mean, you look at it, and 
I mean, first the rules are right, which you can never take for granted if it's an NES wrestling game. You might get mm. something weird. Yeah. But the rules are pretty much dead on. Two, because a lot of the guys are based off of real wrestlers. Um, once again, Starman is pretty close to being Neil Mascaris. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the flying cross jump, which is, of course, Mascaris' famous finisher. Um, there's various guys in there that are Inoki. There's a big, blonde-haired world champion who is, you know, pretty obviously Hogan. And mm-hmm. if you figure out when the game was made in Japan, move it forward, then, yeah, okay, there's guys that match up. So yeah, you had... that... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. So, no, I was I... Gonna... <laughs> All right, you had, I was just going to say, I mean, you had colorful characters. Each had their own special moves. You could jump off the top rope. You could do dives to the floor. You had a ref, a cameraman, announcers. I mean, it's pretty close to, like, what you would really want in a wrestling game. Right. One, like, all the elements were right there, and it's remarkable they got that much stuff right. I mean, mm. there's better wrestling games on the NES. I personally, my favorite NES wrestling game is probably uh, Tecmo Pro Wrestling, oh, yes. which, we'll came along a couple years, which came along a couple years later. Um, the problem with it was it was almost impossible to emulate for several years, so not many people younger than my age, if I'm going to be 28 in a couple weeks, have actually played the real thing. But now that now it's pretty playable on pretty much every emulator. And that you can see, like, if you look at pro wrestling as the first one, Tecmo is sort of the next level up. Yeah. And that you're starting to get a little more flash in the game, but it's still a solid wrestling base and builds pretty much, again, on pro wrestling. And... I mean, when you consider, and I suppose we have to talk about at some point, if you put pro wrestling up against any of the WWF games that came out Ugh. on the NES, then you got a problem. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember buying Tecmo just off, like, a one-page description in, uh, in, like, Nintendo Power. And for a game in 1990, I mean, you could do power bombs, German suplexes, Northern Light suplexes. Right, that that was crazy. And it had the giant swing for crying out loud. Like, it had moves on the ground. Yeah. Which didn't really, like, you never got those in WWF game in the home versions, at least. Yeah. For probably, I think, the first... Probably the first one would be in Royal Rumble when they put in Brett's sharpshooter and Ric Flair's mm-hmm. leg... and the finger for a leg lock. But even then, those were just special moves. And in terms of a ground game, um, the Antonio Inoki character in Tecmo, he had the Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah. And you could put it on whenever you want, just like a regular wrestling match. And that... Like, that stuff was remarkable for the time. And, I mean, obviously it's because... The WWF was doing probably doing their games through North American developers, LJN, etc. So these guys, they saw on television, oh, we have to have the music in there, we have to have Hogan looking like Hogan, and, well, they never really got that right either, <laughs> but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You have to have the music in there, you have to have the, you know, all the big characters, and then we'll just put it out there and the WWF fans will buy it. Now, that worked for a couple years, and then something happened, and a company by the name... And then uh, another company started putting out, you know, the really good arcade games. The yeah. famous two, of course, Wrestling Challenge, mm-hmm. and the biggest one out of all of them, which would be WWF WrestleFest. And That's if right. you ask me which, are, which game I probably spent the most time on, aside from No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000, the N64 era, it would be WrestleFest. I don't know how much of my allowances I dumped into that thing, but that thing was easily my favorite arcade game ever made. Yeah, I probably put the gross national product of a small country into one of those WrestleFest games, but but on the on the NES, I mean, I remember WF WrestleMania, which was the most disappointing rental of my life because oh, I it was ev- just, I think every wrestling fan a horror story about that. It was I I wanted it to be good so bad I actually rented it again. I kind of talked myself into maybe it's you know maybe you know I just need to play it a bit more and it'll it'll be a bit better, but no, still sucked. Yeah, maybe this time I'll figure out how to make Hogan do the leg drop, but then he wouldn't put the leg drop in the game. I mean. No. 
Hogan's finisher is sort of a running, jumping kick that Hogan probably hadn't been able to do since 1976. <laughs> but he's doing it in the game. I mean, the only guy who has even remotely accurate moves is Bam Bam, and Bam Bam is the WF soon afterwards. Andre is, you know, Andre. And there's not much to it, but because the WF was so hot at the time, they could afford to do stuff like that. And they, they were, I mean, there wasn't much oversight for licensees back then. No. And because of that, you know, you got crap like that turned out. I mean, the NES is famous for horrible license games, and the WWF games are just a side product of that. They're just one of the many bad license games of the NES. It, unfortunately, we know it could be better because Japanese companies and independent companies were doing better games. Mm. But WWF games never caught up until much later. Yeah. What else was on the... You also had uh, tag team wrestling on the NES, which yeah, had a strong bad. That was but, the one I was trying to remember, is which came first between pro wrestling and tag team wrestling. I didn't research tag team wrestling as much, but uh, I did play a little bit of that on... I think it was my friend had one of those 60 games in one cartridges oh. that dad brought back to the Far East. And tag team <laughs> wrestling and uh, another sort of wrestling game was on there, uh, Muscle, for the oh, yes. NES, which was based off the... Uh, the little guys, and ironically enough, became a new wrestling game by Aki, the developers of No Mercy, on the GameCube. Mm. But that's that. There's only one other real NES era wrestling game to cover, and that would be WCW's entry. Yep. And uh, it's interesting. I think it's the best way to put it. Uh, yeah. Probably the first game that had a foreign object in it. There was a wrench outside the a ring wrench. to keep people up for it. But uh, it's probably emblematic of you know the NWA and WCW at the time. It was underpublished, didn't get much attention, and probably was a little better than people get a, give it credit for, but in the end, it didn't make much of an impact. No, that's a, that's a strange game. I, I, I played it a bit, and it was cool. You, you could pick moves for your wrestler uh, beforehand, and but it didn't really seem to matter who you picked. I mean, you could be Eddie Gilbert or, uh, or Ric Flair, and just a strange little game. Right, and it's such an idiosyncratic roster. I mean, when are you ever going to... I mean, obviously because his career didn't really span the video game generation, but Eddie Gilbert in a video game is downright <laughs> yeah. strange. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, it's something... Like, I honestly, if I was collecting the cartridges themselves, I wouldn't mind having one of that around, just for the sake of saying mm-hmm. that, he, take a look at this thing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, you're right. There are some, there's some things there that were brought forward in later years, like the creator wrestler and created moves and things like that. Um, at, at the same time, it's nothing special, and no. they got better as they went along. But again, the gold standard at the time was either Tecmo or Pro Wrestling yep. or the arcade games. I mean, WrestleFest, yeah. like I said, WrestleFest is pretty much perfect. And WrestleFest, frankly, is something that I think they should always... I always thought they should look into bringing the WrestleFest style of game back, mm. which is a little bit more button-mashing, and hopefully now that... I mean, the Wii is ideal for something like that. It's got, you know, a controller with two buttons on it, and it's made for party games. And WrestleFest, that rumble mode was pretty much the ultimate party game in the arcade. Yeah. Because, I mean, until Ninja Turtles and stuff like that came around and blew it out of the water. But for a four-player game, that was real. That was great. And actually, it might have even been six on certain cabinets. Mm. So that's, that's what people needed to go after as the gold standard. And you started to see that as they went forward. Mm. Now, uh, on the old Sega Master System, I just I looked up a game called Pro Wrestling, which is somewhat famous for the cover of the, the game, which has a, a man giving his decapitated head a headlock. Did you ever happen to play this game? This looks I have, horrible. I, I have a vague memory of playing this. I mean, the problem with the Sega Master System is 
I mean, it was a good console. It was way more advanced than the NES. It had mm. it could produce beautiful graphics, but I mean, the kids who had the master system, we kind of got the feeling that they're. And apologies to anyone listening if your parents did do this. Um, is their parents kind of got mixed up in the store and brought home the wrong console? <laughs> because aside from the Sega arcade games that showed up with that thing, there wasn't much to it. And I mean, I played this guy. I I have played it once, so I do rem- have vague memories of it. But beyond that, it never made enough of an impression on me. Certainly not enough of an impression on me to think, you know what? I'm going to go out to, and as a big wrestling fan as a kid, this probably might have happened if it had been good enough. But it wasn't good enough for me to say, Dad, we have to go get this. I want this wrestling game. And maybe back then I even had the sense to look at the match system and think, you know what, this thing isn't going to last too long. <laughs> now, uh, you talked about arcades and WrestleFest, but before WrestleFest there was uh, WWF Superstars, which... Ah, uh, yeah, Superstars. I think uh, I called it Challenge by accident. I mixed it up with the NES version. I think so. Now, WrestleFest was superior in pretty much every way, but I, I, was, I thought Superstars was fun. Superstars was very format. good for its time. Yeah, and it, it had the... Um, the dreaded Andre and Ted DiBiase yeah. bosses at the end, and uh, you you start crying if Andre tagged in, yeah, because you I, really couldn't you couldn't do anything to him. No, and I, it was that was the beauty of the game is that I mean, for one, it's a good roster. I mean, you've got you got it was the first game that it narrowed it down to six guys, mm-hmm. but it was six it were six really guys that kids wanted to play. I mean, Hogan, uh, Savage, Bossman, Hacksaw. It was all the big names in the game that were controllable. And because a kid isn't going to pick, admittedly he became my favorite guy by the time WrestleFest rolled around, but a kid isn't going to pick Ted DiBiase. Mm. So putting DiBiase and Andre, the big heels, as the last boss of the game makes perfect sense. And making Andre invincible probably added, probably added a lot more to Andre's aura of that time than just about anything else the WF could do. Um, Andre being, you're right, the second Andre tagged in, you had two choices, basically run like hell and hope DiBiase was nice enough to tag in <laughs> or just give up and lose and restart the match. And that, like, you don't see, I mean, wrestling games, the whole concept of the last boss in a wrestling game has been lost over the years. Mm. Um, they tried to do it, ironically enough, with Andre and No Mercy, where if you went through perfect in the championship mode, Vince brings out Andre to beat you up. The problem is in No Mercy, any super heavyweight was pretty much useless, and Andre would get killed in two minutes. Yeah, um, but that Andre, the Andre in, in Superstars, he was a devastating force, I and mean, he was re- just seeing him was something special. Mm. And uh, beating him, I think I don't think I've ever seen anyone get off more than two moves on him. I've seen people beat DiBiase, mm-hmm. but and but I like even playing on an emulator to this day, cheating like crazy. Andre still kills me in three minutes. Yeah, so you know you're playing a game that they designed to screw you out of quarters when that happens. But at the same time, it's what makes the game famous. Yep. I actually found out you can uh, you can headbutt Andre and you can do the uh, honky-tonk punch him in the head. And if you're lucky, you can give him a backdrop with anyone else. Other than that, you're kind of... Yeah. But, and that's, yeah. that's your one move and it's going to take about 20 of those to get him. <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to get 20 moves in. You'll yeah. go, you do that the cheesy little chop or do the kick and you're dead. And, mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, that's probably what would... It's an interesting little slice of that whole real life versus... Uh, technical wrestling discussion mm. we were having earlier. Andre, if you got a seven foot four guy in real life who's in any way skilled, I mean, this is Andre towards the end, he's going to kill you. And that's pretty much what happened in the game. Yeah. But uh, on to WrestleFest, which was so great. The, the only slight downsides were um, you had the, the Legion of Doom as the bosses instead of Demolition. And I think anyone would have rather been LOD 
instead yeah. of demolition. Yeah, and and the other downside is that it's not the real version of demolition. It's mm. Smash with Crush. It's not Axe and Smash. Yeah. Although at the same time, Crush is surprisingly fun to play as in the game. He's got a really cool finish in the backbreaker, and I think mm. he's the only guy who does the elbow off the top. So if you're trying to get your inner Randy Savage on in the game, he's probably <laughs> your best choice. Um, just... Unfortunately, Demolition didn't have the decapitation. There's another one. The LOD had the Doomsday device, which as a kid, if you saw that thing, the idea of a tag team move, which WrestleFest basically invented with the famous bring the guy to the corner and yeah. you do the, you drop the axe handle on them. That was something special as a kid, and you could see, okay, that's really cool. But then when, one, you go against the LOD, which is, at the time, they, they were kind of watered down the WWF by the time this game rolled around. Hmm. But at the same time, they're still the LOD, and they were still a big deal. And so, you, one, you realize, hey, they don't really get hurt, which is pretty accurate. The LOD don't <laughs> yeah. sell everything in real life. They don't sell everything in a video game. And then once you do get them hurt, and once you do get them wore down, they decide to pull out the doomsday device on you and knock you down from full health to nothing in one shot. And when that happened as a kid, I remember the first time I saw it, I think I was in... I was on a class trip up in Ottawa, because it just came up. And I was close to beating them, I'd like to think. I think I'd burned two quarters off them. And Hawk and Animal just dragged me over the corner and Doomsday device the hell out of me. And you just look at that thing and think, okay, they decided to cheat again, but this time they decided to cheat in a really cool way. And, and of course, I think it was Vince. I think it was supposed to be Vince doing the play-by-play of the game. He did the, the Vince, oh, my God. Well, not quite the Joey yeah. Styles version. But, oh, oh, it was, oh, oh no. no. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> and didn't we, I, well, which is true, because Vince probably wouldn't know what to call the move anyways. No. And, like, WrestleFest, it got everything right. It I did. mean, the, the, one pro- the one problem with the game is that if you look at when the game was made, like, where the roster is based, um, you can probably guess it's around Survivor Series 1990, mm. and there's no Savage in the game, which yeah. is a heinous, heinous mission. <laughs> <laughs> but... Aside from that, I mean, oh, and the other omission, the other addition, which actually makes the game a little more legendary, is that they got that three-week period where Slaughter was using the Atomic Noogie as finisher. Which, um, and I'll argue <laughs> by death that Slaughter is the best character in the game. Because he's got a submission and he can throw people out. And in yeah, the, rum- the Rumble, he's the best one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, they got, they got enough right that the little flaws like that, and the little, I mean, Savage was probably my favorite wrestler as a kid. Mm. Well, okay, admittedly it was Tito Santana, but even I wasn't crazy enough to think that Tito Santana was going to make a <laughs> video game. So, okay, Savage is number two. And Savage not being there hurt, but it still holds up to this day. The game could still work if you put it in the Game Boy Advance or the DS. It would still work really well as a portable game. It would work well as a party game. And, you know, it's a shame that you don't get games like that anymore because it's just too much work. To do a two D to do a two D wrestling game, um, because like you can see a level of craft of it. You don't like there is in a three D game, but the little animations and the little ticks that you see in characters, or the little or just the little bits like when you see someone in the Royal Rumble, they get a little intro screen before they enter, then they turn and actually walk to the ring, which you can see in the bottom of the screen, and you don't get little craft details like that, and that's the reason why I think. I think if you're listing a top five wrestling games ever made, it has to be in there. It has to be probably close to the top, considering mm-hmm. its time period. I mean, with arcade games, you don't have the luxury of any kind of a complex control scheme. You have to make it as simple as possible. And to do so with the level of detail and still make it feel, 
you know, it's easy to figure out how to do the big boot and leg drop. I mean, that's crazy. Right. And, I mean, let's face it, arcade games, the whole purpose is to get you to put another quarter in. Mm. And WrestleFest, you could set it, you could very easily set it up where it's a game where it's just designed to steal quarters. Most arcade owners luckily weren't that mean, and that's <laughs> it, it probably why it got, it got famous. Yeah. And after that, WWF started making, like, these Mortal Kombat-style games. Uh, well, not quite. If you're looking at, on the NES, or, sorry, then, then we started to move forward, then we went to the Genesis, TurboGrafx, yeah. SNES era. And they started off with uh, two, again, from LJN. But LJN had sort of got their act together by now, and they weren't producing crap like uh, Steel Cage Challenge on yes, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually played today in preparation for this. And I said, it's notable for being the first game with Bret Hart in it, and that's about it. Um, there actually were a couple decent ones on the Game Boy, strangely enough. But um, on the SNES, they put out uh, Super WrestleMania, which mm-hmm. is uh, one of those games where, I mean, there's no finishers, but the weird part of it is it's got a really unique roster in it. It has Earthquake and Typhoon. It has the LOD. It has Sid Justice in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very strange little game produced probably around WrestleMania Eight when all yeah. those guys were big. And because of that, it works out reasonably well, but at the same time, it got better. Yeah. And I mean, first, I remember the uh, the Super Nintendo version. It had ten guys, but everyone had the same moves. I know the right. Genesis version, which I rented, actually had finishers. Yeah, the Genesis everyone. version is, I think, the first home game, um, well, since WrestleMania Challenge back in the uh, NES days. Mm-hmm. It's the first game to really have finishers and really emphasize them. Mm-hmm. And then that was one of the big deals for the Genesis version. It seemed like it seemed like an entirely different game because finishers were in there. The Bulldog and Sean had been added to the roster, and it was sort of, you could sort of see that transition away from the Hogan era. And then that was really completed when they went to Royal Rumble, which yeah. was um, probably a, probably the best game they made in the SNES era for the WWF, at least. Mm. Because it's a solid wrestling game. There's nothing special about it, but the moves have been expanded. They added a couple, I think they added the Atomic Drop and... Uh, a backbreaker. Yes. And they added, you know, just little things. They added some chokes. You could choke a guy out for submissions, little things like that. And more importantly, this was the first SNES game with finishers. And when they redid the entire roster, you had Bret Hart all of a sudden was there and using the sharpshooter, which mm-hmm. this re- this game, um, I was telling the story of Death Valley Driver a couple uh, weeks ago. And I remember going into Toys R Us and with a bunch of other kids waiting for them to put this game on sale. Because Bret Hart had just come off probably just winning the WF title for the first time or was in the middle of the feud with the Kings that summer. Mm-hmm. Bret, this was the start of Bret Hart being a borderline national hero in Canada. Mm. And Bret Hart's first real WF video game was a big deal up here. And hmm. everybody wanted this thing. And wow. I think Toys R Us charged $100 Canadian for it. Nobody cared. <laughs> Yeah, the SNES was not a great day for great console for Canadian gamers who were budget conscious. I have friends of horror stories of playing of paying you know one hundred twenty dollars for Final Fantasy VI because it was probably one hundred dollars US. And then when the budget when the dollar switched and it started yeah. to drop around that time, uh, it, Canadian gamers were basically getting killed. I mean, not as bad as our friends in the UK, but it was pretty bad. But at the same no, time, I, I... sorry, go ahead. Oh. I was just going to say, I had the uh, the Genesis version of Royal Rumble, and the rosters were pretty different. I mean, I think both games had Randy Savage, Crush, 
Shawn Michaels and uh, and Bret Hart, but right. the Super Nintendo version, they had Mr. Perfect, Tatanka, Ric Flair, Yokozuna, and Ted DiBiase. Well, yeah. I didn't have any of those guys, but we had Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, the model, Papa Shango, and IRS instead. Yeah, the work rate was a little bit higher on the SAS <laughs> side of things. I mean, plus, you had Yoko had the goofiest finisher ever where if you set somebody up for the bonsai, he would actually do his little sumo dance raising one leg of the air, raising the other leg of the air, then go up and squish the guy. Which is funny because, I mean, you, he, you couldn't really do much about it. But at the same time, you were just watching there. Yeah, it's a cute little Yoko dance before he kills somebody. So, I mean, that, those little touches that they started to get things a little more authentic and a little, every character started to really behave differently, but they kind of did. That was, it was a pretty good game. I mean, the only problem is then next, um, then the Genesis version came, I think... The, they sort of had staggered in those days, so the SNES came first, yeah. then the Genesis, then the SNES, then Genesis, and then Raw hit. And mm-hmm. while that was looking to be a really big game at the time, you could sort of see the whole Mortal Kombat generation that you mentioned earlier. It had started to come forward. So now there were these super special hidden moves in the game, yeah. which are things like Bret Hart doing a flipping elbow off the top, Owen Hart throwing Zangief's windmill punch, and goofball, just goofy stuff that they decided to hide for the sake of, you know, hidden finishers and hidden things. That's what was big in video games at the time. And that's what they put in Raw. And it kind of hurt the games because once you figure out what the moves were, there's no point doing any other ones. Mm. And what was a cool roster, it's still the only even remotely playable game with uh, Owen Hart in it um, because I never really liked... I mean, In Your House was horrible and then... Yeah. The Warzone games weren't that great. No. But so, I mean, for Owen's sheer place in history, that's probably the one game that has it. But uh, other than that, it's not that great. Yeah. I know uh, WCW had a game, uh, I think the SNES called Super Brawl, which I don't know anyone who's ever played this. No, and, and I've, <laughs> I've never even seen the ROM for this game. And if, any, if anyone <laughs> has the thing, please send it to Joe and then he can pass it along to me. But yeah, it's one of those rumors that I've. There were always screenshots in uh, EGM or whatever the game magazine was at the time, but you never saw it anywhere. And again, it's probably sitting on WCW, admittedly, not having much in the way of penetration up here in Canada. So I can see that's why stores might not stock it up here. But I, we used to be in the States quite a bit back then. We never saw, I've never seen that game anywhere. I, I think it's an urban legend. I mean, until somebody proves me rock on it. Although it looks like a decent little game. It's got Vader in it. It's got Sting in it. I mean... How bad could it possibly be? I mean, probably pretty bad. It was WCW at the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, was, that wasn't... I could see where that game wouldn't be bad, but at the same time, I'm not sure if I want to play it and ruin my idealized version of that roster. Because from the looks of it, it was a pretty good game. Yeah. Now, I think this is where we get into the, uh, the Mortal Kombat-style games yeah. in the arcade. <laughs> yeah, this is when... Uh, Midway actually somehow acquired the WWF arcade license. Mm-hmm. And Midway, most famous for Mortal Kombat and that style of game, um, basically did the exact same thing. And if you look at certain WWF videotapes at the time, um, I, think it's one of, I think it's on the Raw Prime Cut ones, that famous tape, which has all the great Raw matches from the first year. Um, at the end of it, they show the making of this game. And it, was, it actually went through and you know, filmed all the WWF guys and went through that, but they then put them into a pretty crappy fighting game. And it wasn't really 3D. It was just that whole pseudo-3D thing that Mortal Kombat pulled off so well. Yeah. 
And, you know, but then you had guys throwing uppercuts just like Scorpion. You had, again, the hidden finishers, and it kind of was a little goofier than it should have been. I mean, it was a lot goofier than it should have been, but it was going to get worse before it got better. And mm. um, because of that, it wasn't that bad. But little did we know while that game was being transitioned to the SNES, on the other side of the word, Japan had really gotten its act together because right around that time in the mid-'90s was when Fire Pro Wrestling was really hitting its stride. Oh, yes. And most people wouldn't have played that game probably until three or four years later when it started being emulated over here. But if you look at the best hands-down wrestling game ever made, especially in the context of its time, Super Fire Pro Wrestling X Premium, which, one for one, is one of the best video game titles, period. <laughs> because it's so over the top and so pretentious that, you know, it's so Japanese. But at the same time... That we got rest. I think it actually came out the same year as WrestleMania the arcade game for the SNES. Mm. We got WrestleMania the arcade game. Yeah. They got Fire Pro, wow. which is one of the more unfair <laughs> treatments of <laughs> yeah. North America. Which, you know, I mean, this was the, at the time that Square was saying, "Oh, we're not bringing over Final Fantasy V here. Take the Americans won't understand it. They'll get Final Fantasy Mystic Quest instead." I mean, Japan was kind of condescending towards U.S. gamers back then, mm. but. That was one of the biggest slides. I remember saw, I saw one screen of that in EGM. It was who I would later know as Akushi. It was probably right around the time he debuted and doing a space-flying tiger drop over the top rope. And you could see it, and you sort of looked like, what the hell is this? It's a game that you could do running moves to the outside, and you can do, and the ring looks different, and it's drawn differently, and, you know, it just, it showed all this potential. It was just one screen. But you could tell the potential the game had. Yeah. And I always waited for that to come over, and it never did. And I thought I just imagined it until, I think, the second year of undergrad university. I found the game online and played it, and I'm like, this is that game. This is that really great wrestling game. And, you know, it probably was the first game ever really serious to have a really good created wrestler system. It mm. had a huge roster. I mean, it's got Bathroom for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, which becomes funnier as the years go by because you get to do all the boss quotes with it now. Um, <laughs> Ken Shamrock's in there, Benoit's in there. I mean, of course, the Noki's in there, Liger's in there. And you're not going to get a much better pure wrestling game than that, mm. especially in 2D. And, you know, the Fire Pro series has continued forward over the years. Uh, Fire Pro R is a very good game. The, game Boy, the first Game Boy game was excellent and one of the best yes. launch titles for the system. I mean, the series... I mean, it's hard to, it, you can't really mention wrestling games in history without mentioning that, even though we only really had two released in North America. Mm-hmm. But that's, in terms of influencing the entire genre, Fire Pro is way up there in terms of overall influence. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I imported uh, Fire Pro D for the Dreamcast and also right. Fire Pro Returns. And the games aren't really, I mean, I remember playing the old, uh, I emulated it too. And the games really aren't terribly different. Now, from uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, seeing, seeing, no, I think you're right. Yeah, pretty much the same, but it has that that system where you have to start off with uh, lesser moves and you build your way up, and just the way it is. I mean, you can get some goddamn awesome matches out of that right. that engine. And that's that's surprising is that you know my thing. What I said earlier that my thing is I'd rather have a game that turns into a really good fighting game and not so much a wrestling simulator. But Fire Pro R can be a good fighting game. It can be a good wrestling simulator. It can be a good mixed martial arts simulator, mm. uh, for crying out loud. And that's the sign of a really quality game. What you put into it, you get out of it. If you put the time into making a good creative wrestler, it's fun just sometimes to watch them. Just put the controller down and see how your guy wrestles. 
And I remember one of the first times I played the Game Boy game, I made the rock. And he actually, I just wanted to see how the computer handled him. And he actually finished the guy with the spine buster and dropped the people's elbow. And sitting there, I'm like, I didn't do that intentionally, but just it looks really good that you can pull that off. And that's a credit to the game. It's, it's for being a remarkably low-tech game, it's true enough to real life that, you know, you don't really need, if you just need a quick shot of gaming on the go, Fire Pro is about your best wrestling game. Mm. Um, you're prob- there hopefully is going to be a new one on the DS. They keep hinting at one in Japan, and the way the DS sells in Japan, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully we get it over here. Or, mm. frankly, I'll just import the damn thing because it's Fire Pro, and it's always fun to play. Sure. Are we up to the uh, PlayStation N64 era now? We are pretty much up to, unless you want to talk in detail about the, uh, what was the one of the Sega CD, the uh, the Steel Cage game with all the cinemas and stuff like that. I've never played that. I wanted to so bad. <laughs> it's, it, it is, uh, it's a weird one. <laughs> um, it's the height of the full motion era revolution that was, you know, every game is going to be like a movie now. And that, yeah. was, that was what Sega's pitch was, except... You didn't have any good games for it. I think the best was probably... <laughs> that's probably... I mean, you played Sonic CD, which was great. But at the same time, you know, if you got Sonic 2, it's pretty much the same game. This one, the WF games, they decided... But when, instead of watching somebody hit a finisher, we watched some really cheesy, pixelated, washed-out color version of the guy hitting their finisher. And it's basically only notable for the, sh- the list of people in the game that mm. never showed up anywhere else in any video game. Um, I think Kamala's in there. The Nasty Boys are in there. Um, it's just a really, really weird... And again, because it was a bigger roster, they could put 20 guys in there instead of the usual 12, and they took advantage of it. They, but at the same time, you know, you can't really get much out of it. It's basically Royal Rumble with a different roster and some yeah. cheesy movies. So just for sake completionness of complete... Excuse me. For completion's sake, it's probably good to mention it, but... It didn't really influence anything, and it's probably just best remembered as the sequel to Royal Rumble that nobody played. <laughs> All right, but, that brings us to uh, some good times coming ahead, the PlayStation yes. and the N64. I guess we should start with uh, WCW versus the World, which is no relation to this show, but that was on the PlayStation. Yep. Do you remember? Uh, I picked this one up for, uh, I think, $2, like uh, a couple months you got ago. A good, that's a good deal. Yeah. That's a really... That was probably the first game that I sat down and was absolutely blown away by what the PlayStation could do. I mean, I played stuff like Toshinden before, and I don't think Final Fantasy VII had quite come out yet. Probably came out the next year. But that was the first game that I sat down and was like, okay, there might be something to this whole 3D argument that the that Sony's tossing around. Because you never had a game like that before where, I think the thing that really did it for me, I was a big Benoit fan, obviously, back in the, I mean, I still sure. am. But I was a really big Benoit fan in 97. And my friend that got this game, he's like, yeah, it's this new WCW game, but it, somebody said it was really good. And, you know, back then, the Internet wasn't as big as it is now. So word of mouth is sort of how these games got passed around. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, somebody told me this game's really good. So we're playing it, and we're just casually playing And then we don't really know what we're doing. I mean, we're at the time, we didn't know how to block or dodge or counter or anything like that. Sure. But I sort of pulled up a counter and reversed the move, got to go, go behind and hit the dragon suplex and pinned him. And he didn't bother kicking out because he was staring at the screen like, oh my god, I didn't believe, you. I can't believe you just did that. And it was something that Benoit would do in real life. And because it was 3D now, they could do stuff like this. Mm. And that's, that was probably, 
I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure somebody will correct me on this and and say, oh well, there's a game that you know beat WCW to the versus the world to the market in Japan. That was the first really 3D wrestling game. Mm-hmm. But WCW versus the world. I mean, that was the game that really showed off. Hey, we've got this new technology. We've got 3D in home consoles now. This is what you can do. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, the bar was really raised. It yeah. didn't have Creator Wrestler because I mean, we didn't have Fire Pro yet, so we didn't really know what that was. Until unless people knew what Fire Pro was somehow, they didn't expect it in the game. So really, all you wanted was a really good wrestling game, and that's what WCW versus the World presented. Then we uh, move on to the N64 and um, WCW NWO World Tour. And I remember being, I think, as a junior in college, a friend of mine had this had N64 had bought this game. I went and played it, and before that, I really didn't have any idea I wanted an N64. When right. I left that day, I'm like, I gotta get an N64 in this game. Yeah. Because I had never played a game like this and I was just just dumbfounded by this. Right. And this is, I think this is the first time of Aki. They might have had a hand in WCW versus the World in, uh, in World Tour, but mm-hmm. this is the first really Aki game that everyone knows and everyone can relate to. Mm. And, um, yeah. I mean, they'd get better as they went along, obviously. Oh, yeah. But, at the same time, this is the N64 was known for basically three things. It was known for Mario 64, which sold the system at launch. Mm-hmm. It was known for GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, which because you couldn't really play first-person shooters on with the PlayStation controller, so especially the original PlayStation controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was known for those. And was known as the home of really great wrestling games. I mean, the standard of wrestling games of that system. Admittedly, it also had the Acclaim games. It had Warzone and Attitude and... <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll talk about in a couple of seconds, just to bash and make yeah. jokes about. But it was the home of some really, really good wrestling games, and it started then. And you're right; like, if the idea of 3D wrestling games, if uh, the first WCW game on the PlayStation hadn't sold you, this would, because there's not much you could ask more than having this game, because everything was right. The package, the package is remarkable. In that, and for one thing, it's from WCW, which until now, as we've noted was pretty incompetent in the wrestling game side. We only could think of maybe three before this. Mm. And all of a sudden, they turned this out. And at the same time, this is when WCW was probably having the best in their history in 1997. Mm. I, think, I think it matches up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which is another weird bit of synergy there. But yeah, everything matches up. It's got all the guys. It's got all the moves. And you can't really ask for anything more. Again, this is just before the creative wrestling thing started. I think probably the first game to really take off with that Sadly enough, was the acclaim side of things. Yeah. But you didn't need that. You didn't because the game itself was good enough, and that's the first side of really good. You know, another really good, just a good game, not even a good wrestling simulation. Mm-hmm. It's just a good pure game. And even if you're taking all the actual wrestlers out of it, you still tell it's a good game. It's got a good core. It's got a good engine. You can't really go wrong with that. I mean, you you could taunt, you could do springboards, assay moonsaults, leapfrogs. I mean, that was a level of control you had never had before. Yeah, there's just so much game. stuff in there. And um, now you're making me wish that I still managed to see four line around here. <laughs> um, I mean, and I think it's funny that uh, you've probably seen that that engine, the Aki engine, is still being used by guys. They're modifying it to include TNA wrestlers now or old school wrestlers. Like I've seen an NWA from the 80s version, which has things like the Midnight Express or, you know, uh, Rick Rude from those days. I think it's really great that people still sort of respect that engine, and they keep trying to update it and keep 
I mean, that was sort of how I got my first break online, was writing for, I think it was probably one of Scott Keith's sites, yep. writing how do you update WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy, and, like, how do you keep it up to date, and because those games allowed you to. But because people, there was just an attraction there. If you were a wrestling fan as a kid, and if you played all those games, you sort of knew that this is what we were due, and we were owed this good game, and that was the first game really delivered. And a year later, we had uh, Revenge, which right. improved the system in a variety of ways. Better graphics, they tweaked the controls a little. They had the wrestler edit systems. We were inching closer yeah. to create a wrestler. You had pay-per-view locations. You had pretty much everyone on the roster except Ric Flair. Yeah. I mean, and you have Yuji Nagata, Larry Zabisco, and Laparka all in the same game. And Laparka has the Tiger Driver 91 as his finisher, which I think is very cool. And he starts with a chair. Yeah. When you start the match. It's... And uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, Stig, Stig descends for the Raptors. If you're playing yeah. a battle royal and Stig shows up, he drops down in the middle of the ring. And, I mean, they got everything right with that one. I mean, the little detail, I mean, again, no CAW, but not expect. Now, by now, it's starting to be expected. Yeah. So, because by now, Attitude had come out, and Attitude was a decent creator wrestler. It was wrapped in a really horrible engine developed by Acclaim. But even today, it kind of holds up as a decent creator wrestler engine. So, War- Revenge was kind of lacking that. But yeah. everything else in the game was right. And you're right. The only big omission is that Flair wasn't there because Bischoff was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is the only explanation for it. And kept Flair out. And Flair was suing WCW or whatever that. I don't know. Death, death of WCW is somewhere on my bookshelf in front of me right now. And I can't see it. So, I can't look and see why Flair wasn't in there. But it was that year where Flair wasn't in WCW, and uh, but at the same time, you can't really go wrong with that game. That game is about as good as you can get in the pre-CAW days. Yep. And uh, on the WWF side, we had the aforementioned Acclaim games. I think I had Attitude. Cause I, I, think, I, just, I think I owned Attitude as well for the N64. Yeah, I wanted a WWF game so bad. I, again, I kind of talked myself into, <laughs> you know, well, you know, maybe it'll be pretty good on its own, and it really wasn't, but... Yeah, Acclaim and LJN wreaked havoc on kids' wallets um, yeah. throughout most of the 90s. I mean, it wasn't just the it wasn't just the WRF license. They screwed a lot of people over over the years with horrible games. Um, they had some hits, but not in terms of. I mean, there's a reason they're called a crap, A-K-A-R-A-P <laughs> by a lot of people because that's what they turned out. And I mean, compared to the, they just part of it is they probably didn't realize that the entire genre changed when these really good WCW games came out. Yep. They were still holding on to the whole, you know, complicated button combinations to do moves, and it just didn't feel right anymore no. because there had been a paradigm shift when the WCW games had started to come out. And Acclaim never really caught up with that. I mean, they kept going a little while after that, but they still never quite understood that there's a reason everyone is buying these games, and, and virtually all the Aki games sold huge in North America. Yep. Because every wrestling fan bought them and was slathering over them, waiting for them to come out. And, I mean, yeah, Acclaim sort of got left in the dust. Yeah. Um, there's some really fun, there's some interesting things about the game. The rosters are interesting because they sort of represent that whole, they do represent the attitude era of the WWE, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. There's some guys in there you're never going to see anywhere else. But because of that, you kind of leave them and say, okay, they're nice curiosity, let's move on. We should file a class action lawsuit against uh, a claim. I think. I think if I think I'm not, I, they're probably out of business by now. Don't. But yeah, 
I'm not sure if they've gone under, but for all their various, and I kept joking, oh, I'm never going to buy an Acclaim game again. And then they went on and put up Burnout 2, which, <laughs> which is, which I have more rants against EA because of what happened with that game. But, um, yeah, so I finally, that was the last Acclaim game I'm ever going to buy. But yeah. they got me once more. <laughs> but at least this time was a good game. But, yeah, on behalf of every kid who has their hopes and dreams of playing WrestleFest at home crushed by a series of increasingly worse, I think they actually got worse as they went along, frankly. Oh, yeah. Acclaimed games. That's probably a pretty good thing. But, hey, they kept ECW in business for one more year, so they do have that going for them. I guess they do have that. <laughs> actually, I think I had the first ECW game, too, which um, just had the kind of novelty of being ECW, but was uh, uh, yeah. crap besides that. <laughs> you can tell they sort of just took the WF game and just slap a few ECW skins on it and say, hey, look, it's ECW, kids, buy it. But, yep. of course, by then it didn't work because when they lost the WF license, then then the – I don't know what happened here with – I never really found out what had happened. But mm-hmm. soon after Attitude came out, THQ lost the WCW license. EA picked it up. I can see why WCW did that because, you know, EA is the big games company. Sure. Um, they didn't really know what EA was going to do with it, and things didn't turn out too well. But at the same time, then something really great happened, and THQ signed on with the WWF, which is a relationship that continues to this day, even through quite a bit of litigation, which is currently ongoing. Yeah. And it makes it interesting reading to see what WWE is suing THQ over, mm. um, because of the whole Jack Pacific scandal and things like that. But they turned out they turned out WrestleMania 2000, yep. which... You know, some and you could some people do argue that it's a better game than No Mercy. I still am fervently loyal to No Mercy, mm. but WrestleMania 2000 got everything right, yep. and I think it's the first game to really that we could say, yeah, this is the this is the start of the defining two or three games of the wrestling era, and the, right up there with Super Fire Pro Premium and with WrestleFest, I put the WrestleMania 2000 No Mercy double shot as. Mm-hmm. Defining wrestling games. I just remember WCW was kind of going downhill. WWF was picking up steam. Right. I just remember thinking, you know, oh, I wish, uh, I wish THQ could make a WWF game. That'd be great. And then, right. it, then it happened. Yeah, it just it, it happened really quickly. I think because I remember seeing an IGN um, attitude had just come out, and I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much it just seemed like there wasn't much of a time difference. And all of a sudden, they said um, WCW's license has been acquired by EA. And then THQ just went to WE, and somehow theirs came up at the exact same moment, so they scooped them up. And all of a sudden, there were these videos online of X-Pac and Triple H coming out and doing the DX entrance with the pyro. And, you know, Steve Austin coming out and doing all four turnbuckles as he came to the ring. And just things that, the little touches that were all in revenge. But all of a sudden, they seemed so much fresher because they were the hotter product in, in the WWE. Or WWF, sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so ingrained of doing that. <laughs> Well, it's been a few years, but yeah, yeah we, we've we had the we had entrances with theme music, we had a, a season mode, yeah, and, and finally the creator wrestler, and yeah, and that that is what did it because because some you could say oh well they took out all the WCW guys no they didn't they're all in there it's just mm-hmm. that you have to figure out how to make them I mean you can make the exact same Chris Benoit from WCW Revenge as you can in just using creative mode because the Crippler Crossface is in the game. Yeah. And that's what made the game so great. Is you can make it got better the next. It got better with No Mercy because they really crammed No Mercy just full of the gills of moves. WrestleMania 2000, there were little there were little quibbles you can have with the system, 
Uh, my biggest one at the time was that the Death Valley driver was only a finisher because it was the Godfather's finisher. So mm-hmm. they sort of left it that you can't just use it as a regular move, which, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a move that I like using a lot for creative guys. So that's the reason that, you know, it kind of, that was, like, just little stuff like that. That's why people bitched about it. But those weren't, it was a 10.0 game. And there's no, like, stuff like that is not a reason to take away from it. And, um, but, like, it just was so right, and right around that time, the WWF got um, the Radicals jumped soon after the game was made, and putting them in the game was really easy. Yeah. Because Creator Wrestler was there. And it was the first game, it was the first real game to do that type of stuff, and that's why people remember it fondly to this day. I, I was buying extra memory packs because I was creating, I created pretty much the whole WCW and ECW rosters. Right. With that game as best I could. I had the extra memory packs just to fit them all in. Yeah, and there's, there's, I mean, there's little things in that game that they, you could obviously tell that, okay, I'd like to change this and I'd like to change that. Like, the weapon usage was horrible because weapons would just disappear after you use them once. Yeah. And, but things like that. Once you got through that type of stuff, then you, what, it was just, in, in terms of in-ring and in terms of creative wrestlers, you're not going to get better than that game. No. Nope. And uh, my favorite THQ Aki game was probably Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Yes. Which, which I did import in 2000, mainly because it had everything, and it also had the shoot-fighting element in there, which actually right. taught me a lot about MMA, because I, I kind of figured out who all these guys were. And in 2000, that's pretty... Six yeah. years ago, that's pretty crazy. I mean, we were sort of... I think there was actually a really good UFC game out for the Dreamcast around that time. But, yeah, like, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, I mean, I've heard stories of people finding that unused in the bottom of a blockbuster used bin. I don't know where how these people get that lucky. Because I also have to import that thing. But in, in it's one of the three games I think I've ever imported, and it was worth every penny. I mean, mm. that game is... I mean, you don't get the whole WWE storyline story aspect of it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's a, it's a lot deeper than either of the two great N64 games we got released over here because of the mixed martial arts mode. Mm. And there's a few... There's actual different styles in the game. And, I mean, the ironic thing is that a lot of the... I mean, a lot of the styles in that game sort of actually got brought forward into when Aki, when their engine was used for Def Jam Vendetta 2, uh, Fight for New York. Little things from that engine sort of snuck through, mm-hmm. and you could sort of see it in, like, the grapples and the strikes and things like that, which you hadn't seen for a long time. But it's, it's nice that it's still sort of there as an influence, and you're right. Like, that game, that game's so great. Just because of the level of craft that went in the game, you can tell the people made it. They really cared about making a good wrestling game, mm. and they cared about the sport, and they cared, which is in Japan is how it was still, like it's still considered over there, sure. or at least it was at the time. Yeah. And you know, the idea that a wrestler could go in there with a shoot fighter and be competitive, I don't think this. I think this is before Crowcroft started going around and kicking Eugene Nagata's <laughs> head off in 27 seconds. So they were gleefully unaware that this was not quite reality, and because of that, it plays really fun. And, uh, yeah, you, you, it's a really great game. And it's probably one of the better ones ever released in the N64. Now, back to WCW. They had the EA game, which um, the first one, I don't remember the name of it. I was it think, Mayhem? Yeah, I think the first one was Mayhem because they, the pay-per-view, they didn't name the pay-per-view after until afterwards. There's some, there was okay. some sort of cross-pollination agreement. But, yeah, the first one was Mayhem. Um, coming down from the highs of the AccuDevelop games to a game I think was... I. Don't want to curse EA Canada because I actually know a few people who work there, but um, I think it was an EA Canada developed game, and yeah, it was a pretty pretty much a crashing thud in terms of 
uh, playability. You, there were some decent things in there, but mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, that was pretty much it. For, WCW had gone in the tank, their games went in the tank with them at around the same time. Um, I noticed that we did mention a couple of WCW games, though. Oh, the Immortals Nitro and Thunder. Oh, I forgot about those. How could I miss those? <laughs> yes, how could we miss those? Those were two of the, I, I think, better left set in terms of gameplay, but you could, it's almost like if Kevin Nash made a wrestling game, it would be Thunder. <laughs> and I think that there's no better way to pay tribute than that. I just remember when I, when I, I played the... Uh... I played World Tour for the N64, and someone said, well, there's a PlayStation has a game coming out next year called Thunder, which may have, like, an updated roster. And they're right. like, well, maybe we should wait for the newest version. And I'm like, no, I'll stick with the N64. And that was probably the best decision I ever made. <laughs> it's almost like they were playing a cruel joke on the PlayStation owners. <laughs> oh, I mean, God. the N64, we were, everyone with an N64 sitting there playing this game, and there wasn't much else on the N64. I mean, I love Nintendo. Yeah. But the N64 wasn't a great console in terms of depth. It was yeah. its high-end games were great. I mean, Ocarina of Time and Mario, but it didn't have much beyond that. But the one thing it had was wrestling games, and it had that over the PlayStation in spades because the poor PlayStation was stuck with these horrid, horrid games. Yeah. Some of which made the transition to the PC and were horrible there too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I actually do have a PC copy of I—I want to say it's Nitro. Um, I, I bought it at a flea market for a buck. Just say I own the damn thing. Because Jeez. it's like a mark of honor that I've played Nitro. Nitro. And don't forget uh, Backstage Assault, which had the novel idea of taking the ring out of a wrestling game. Which seems ironic now that uh, EA took Def Jam, which was a pure wrestling game in the first one, and said, let's take the rings away, and they turned out one of the best games of the current generation with it. Mm. They tried the same trick with WCW, and it didn't work at all. No. And uh, it was a nice... It, I mean... At the time, it was sacrilegious. Like, what are these idiot programmers at EA trying to make the game something different to appeal to fighting game fans instead of wrestling fans? I can see it in a little better context now that I know the idea actually does work if you're competent with it. EA wasn't back then, and because of that, the game blew up in their faces. I think, I know they took a big financial hit off the game. Um, At the time, WCW was dead to begin with, so it wasn't a shock. Um, But, you know, it's, it's an interesting little idea in that Five years later, they went back to it, and they were ridiculously successful with it. So if you look at it that way, it's kind of a precursor to what came later. But re- realistically, it's just a really god-awful game. Yep. And despite me trying to rationalize it, they were pretty stupid to do what they did. Well, I guess that takes us to the SmackDown series, which uh, started in 2000 for the PlayStation. Yeah. Didn't like it back then. Too arcadey for me, guys bouncing up after big moves very quickly. Yeah. And uh, SmackDown's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better, actually, I should say. But sometimes it seems they take one step forward and two steps two steps back in what they, they put in and take out of these games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's... The best one that I remember playing was probably Here Comes the Pain, which was the 0-4 yes. version, if I, want, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, maybe in 3 Maybe 3 But it was... A, yeah, I guess with Brock on the cover, right, it probably would have been yes. 3 um, But yeah, but this, it's a series of peaks and valleys. There's some things in there that are really fun and neat. I remember one of the funnier things I remember from Here Comes the, Here Comes the Pain is that they took the time for Hurricane. His default stance is a superhero pose. Yep. So if you just leave him standing there, he will be doing the superhero pose. And that's like a nice little touch that shows, okay, these guys know wrestling. They know the WWE. They know the little personality quirks. 
But at the same time, there's a lot of things that were just wrong with that engine from day one that they've been trying to cover up ever since. Mm-hmm. Things like, um, which, I mean, which you may not even notice if you hadn't played the N64 games, which might be why SmackDown was viewed so successfully at first, because a lot of people would play those because they were on the much more popular PlayStation console. Mm-hmm. Never went to the N64 and never played the N64 games. But little things like, um, I, the biggest one, which is always the right play of the SmackDown games and carried forward now into some of the GameCube games as well, and, and still is with there, is if you do a move like the five-star frog splash, which is supposed to only hit a guy lying down, mm-hmm. it can hit people standing up as well. <laughs> and this, like, I don't know why this one little thing bugs me, but it has annoyed me since day one on SmackDown. It annoyed me on Day of Reckoning when it made the leap there, and it just pisses me off for some reason. The, the same thing is like a missile dropkick can hit a guy lying on the ground. And it really shouldn't. And as a wrestling fan, you intuitively know that something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah. But because they didn't really, the, the way they programmed the engine, they're never going to get around that one little flaw. And there's just little things like that that you, that you sort of take for granted, what we used to take for granted on the Aki games, that aren't in SmackDown. And because of that, I mean, you're right. It's one step forward. Too, some of the stuff they do is absolutely genius. The GM mode is great. It's the type of thing that, you know, I kind of think they stole that from, which we did mention, which we probably should have given some credit to, games like TMN and uh, Extreme, and uh, what was it, Extreme Warfare, Warfare and yeah. games like that, that, you know, are more for the simulator PC side. And I, I kind of think they played EWR before they came up with GM mode, because yeah. a lot of stuff is pretty similar. And it seems like, you know, I'm not sure if they, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying they ripped them off completely, because it's a pretty logical leap to make at some point. Mm-hmm. especially with Madden franchise mode and stuff like that out there. But, you know, you kind of get the sense that they knew what they were doing, that they knew this would work because somebody tried it before. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that is really good about SmackDown. But then they go around and they don't update their roster. I'm not sure if you've seen this year's game yet. Yeah, I have this year's game, actually. Okay. Have you tried playing as Booker T? I have not yet, no. No, Booker T is, um, I believe he comes out with the King entrance music and everything like that. Yep. But it's still old school Booker T. So he's jumping around doing the animations <laughs> and uh, has the pyro. At least uh, this, is, this is a movie, mind you, this is off, based off a movie I saw on IGN about three weeks ago. I haven't actually bought the game yet. But that's, the, that's one of the catches of the game is that they kind of have, they keep recycling the same guys over and over in terms of animations. Yeah. And, okay, and since, it's, since we're dealing with the first Mac game, we'll go, No Mercy was guilty of that as well with certain <laughs> guys. But... It's noticeable now in SmackDown because they've been doing it for years with certain guys that just haven't changed. And you just notice things like that. And I think Booker T is probably the most noticeable one because he's had such a drastic change in his character. And it may have been too late for them to reprogram an entire Booker T moveset to be King Booker. But just little stuff like that, you do, it kind of stands out. And yeah. it kind of, at this point, I'm kind of thinking THQ views SmackDown or SmackDown versus Raw as it is now as EA views Madden as something that, no matter what, a certain proportion of the public is going to buy because it's basically the only wrestling game left. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, with EA in the process of blowing Def Jam Vendetta out of the water, and I'm not even going to start on that one, or I'll get too pissed <laughs> off about what they've done to and what the looks of things are. But, yeah, it's the one wrestling game you've left, and because of that, THQ is getting a little bit lazy about it. And yeah. it's kind of sad. I mean, the, game, you can, the core game is pretty good. Um, the, I, I've never played the Japanese version of it. Mm-hmm. I've heard that's better because 
the little touches that THQ screws around with over on these shores. Um, they don't really make it over. So, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's still not a bad... If that's the series we have going forward, I can kind of live with it. Um, hopefully they'll one, one day just sit, sit down and say, you know what, we need to start from scratch and combine the best of SmackDown with the best of Aki and turn out a really great wrestling game. Yeah. But until that point, for a placeholder, until the PS3 gets rolling, until somebody figures out how to make a wrestling game on Wii, which is going to be really <laughs> interesting, and I'm not even sure if it's possible, um, but until somebody figures that out, then, yeah, SmackDown's okay for now. What about the uh, the faded TNA game, which uh, may or may not ever exist? <laughs> I, I, I am, like most things about TNA, I will be happy if it shows up and, interesting, and interested in it, but at the same time, I don't hold any optimism because TNA has disappointed me so many times in the past that if their game disappointed me again, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No. All I know is that out of the render that they used to originally hype the game, the three guys in it were AJ Styles, <laughs> Jeff Hardy, and Monty Brown. And Jeff Hardy is currently the WWF Intercontinental Champion, and Monty Brown is going to debut as a raw upper card guy in a couple weeks. So, really, TNA is already, like, you can tell how long the game has been developed in development because of just stuff like that. Yeah. All right, have we missed any games, pray tell? Um, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, well, just to give another, to give my side of the Noversy versus VPW 2 debate. Um, I personally prefer No Mercy just because, I mean, I know it's buggy. I know that some people got the game and yep. had their entire data wiped out, which is a really mean, which is really bad on THQ's part. I mean, it's pretty inexcusable for a bug that bad to get out in a production. That um, luckily, I don't think that would be you. Yep. Try you, to use my Vader. Those, yeah. Vader, create a wrestler in season mode, all gone. Yeah. like Everything and, was gone. Just stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I can see why people... Pull the drug against the game, something yep. like that, because that's really mean. But at the same time, it's it, for a WWE for a WWE WWF game, it got every single thing right. Mm. I mean, it didn't have all the gimmick modes. It didn't have Hell in a Cell. No. Okay, so that was the one missing element. I think it's the only gimmick match it probably didn't have. But the storyline of that game is so deep that. I mean, it's the first game where you could go through and losing actually changed the storyline because of that branching, um, the best comparison is the Wing Commander, the famous PC uh, shoot, uh, space sim game. Mm-hmm. Because in Wing Commander, if you lost, it, would still, it wouldn't be like, okay, go back and replay the game. If you lost, you keep going with the same storyline and your losing becomes part of it. And a lot of times in No Mercy, not all the time, there were some times where they just couldn't branch it any further. But there were some times where, if you lost, it would be part of the storyline. And things like um, in the tag team mode, if you don't win the first match within three minutes, you become the pawns of the McMahon, and there's an entire storyline going down that path. If you win the first match in three minutes, then all of a sudden you're going down a different path, and you're feuding with DX, or you're feuding with uh, the Dudleys. And that's what really made the game great, is that it just had so much depth in story mode, that even putting aside it was a really good wrestling game, the story mode alone would keep people busy for a long time. Yep. Then it was the first game of significance with backstage areas. The weapons were great. Um, you could do the Terry Funk spot of power driving somebody on the table. Um, mm-hmm. You could do uh, power drivers on the stairs. You could do crazy spots in that game with that engine um, that you know you never really saw until that point. They put a ladder in, and now people could you can do ladder ladder shots to the outside. You could do dives to the outside off the top of ladders through tables. I mean, 
just things combined as it went to turn into a really great game. And because of that, I mean, you sort of the influence is still there from that. From that was like the ultimate evolution on the N64. They carried that forward in the SmackDown, and they unfortunately tried to carry it forward onto the GameCube. And the GameCube games, I mean, people who are expecting a Nintendo console to have the best wrestling games, the GameCube was a serious disappointment. I think that's the only way to put it. Because yeah. while while the Day of Reckoning games are good, and I certainly enjoy playing them. At the same time, they don't live up to the legacy of the Nintendo console being the place to go for wrestling games that the N64 established. And I don't think, just by the nature of Wii, as great a console as it looks to be, I don't think it's going to keep that up. All right. Phew. Well, we covered quite the history. Yep, I think we got everything. I mean, we gave the Game Boy the short shift, but there's not much well. to do. There's some, there's some downright horrible things on there, and there's... I mean, we mentioned we mentioned the Fire Pro game at the Game Boy Advance launch, which yep. was something which, to this day, I mean, is the only really good Fire Pro game that came out over here. So. Yeah, I think HAL Wrestling for the Game Boy is the only yeah. one we missed. HAL Wrestling, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Some of the WWF ones, but Actually, I think that's in- it. I do have one interesting trivia note, that there was a game called, I believe, Hammerlock Wrestling for the SNES. Oh. That is, interestingly enough, a converted version of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Really? Which, if you play it, you, you, if you play it, you can't tell. They did a pretty good job of whitewashing it. <laughs> but yeah. um, if you play it, you'll notice it. And they're, they actually made a vastly superior sequel to that game that obviously was only in Japan called uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling 2. It was the March to the Budokan, I think is what the full title translates to. Oh. And if you're looking for, and I encourage anyone to try and track this game down on the ROM. If you haven't played it, I'll send it to you. But it's, let's put it this way. The Patriot and Eagle are a tag team in the game. Steve Dr. <laughs> Death Williams does the Oklahoma Stampede. Um, Kawada, his taunt is to kick somebody's face when they're on the ground. <laughs> like, this is a really great little... And it's, it's sort of like... The best way I can describe it is if the Japanese saw um, Royal Rumble mm-hmm. and decided to make their own game based on the Royal Rumble engine. But, it, but it's so much better than that. And it's one of the games that I encourage people because nobody's played this game. Somebody, when I was doing my columns for uh, probably Ramsylvania at the time, somebody sent me this ROM, and uh, I had no idea what it was. I opened it up, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's this great, cartoony Japanese wrestling game that happens to have me saw in Kawada. Wow. And so if you're a fan of Japanese wrestling and you haven't played the game, I encourage anybody to go find this game. There's my, there's my plug. And I'm fairly sure it's abandoned where, so it's pretty much illegal, at least in my mind. And, <laughs> hey, I'm a lawyer. I can see stuff like that. Sure. And don't malpractice me if I if somebody gets sued over this. But um, yeah, I encourage anyone to go look for that game out there. Um, probably start at underdogs.com or something and ask around in their forums, or go on DVDBR and if somebody asks, I'll put I'll post it somewhere on Rapid Share or something like that. Because it's a really great game that nobody's played, and I it's, people should frankly. All right. Oh, now I think that's everything. Now I think that's everything because that's about as obscure as I could possibly get without. Uh, yeah, without digging through um, old PC wrestling games, yeah. which would take... Oh, wait, I do have to mention one thing. If anyone can explain to me why the Xbox is so cursed with wrestling games, please write me an email. <laughs> because if they get a good one, and I guess SmackDown vs. Raw is probably the closest they've gotten to a good one yet, but oh my god, they've had some bad games. And it's for a system that probably should be the ultimate creator wrestler system because it was the first one with a hard drive in it. Mm-hmm. The Xbox was god-awful for wrestling games. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone knows who in Microsoft is determined to play with people's minds in much the same way that somebody at a claim was playing with WRF gamers' minds back in the 90s, <laughs> please write me and tell me, because that's the only explanation I have for it. And other than that, that now is everything. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to thank you for being on. This was quite thank the you. history lesson. And, uh, well, you, we'll hey, you had better research than I did for the first ones. I just caught up on the SNES bit. Well, I, believe me, I didn't have to research much for the old Nintendo. That was all from memory. Yeah, all from but, memory, uh, memory and emulator play this morning. Sure. But we will definitely get you on at some point to talk more video games or other yeah. subjects. More video games or just general stuff if you like yeah. or whatever. But I appreciate it. And thanks all for right. having me on. Do you have anything and, uh, to, uh, to plug? You have a great show. I should point that, I should point that out that I do listen to the show whenever you do put it on. And oh, good. it is a good show. So you have something to be proud of. Oh, thank you. I am proud. There, there's, uh, there's, there, you have gotten my props. I put you over. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you for being on. Uh, anything to plug? No, I don't your... actually. Um, I my let's see. I can't exactly plug my law firm, so that would probably be a bad idea. <laughs> uh, Great. Yeah, let's, I'm just hoping nobody actually listens to this and they'll be like, "He's Fred." Uh, I come I come in for a morning meeting. Hey, Fred, we were listening to you online talk about wrestling video games. Oh, that's probably not good. This is this is my secret life. But um, Did yeah. You say it was no. Mike Sempervivi instead. Yeah, but um, if up. you want to yell at me about any of this stuff, uh, just post a thread on DVDVR, and uh, if I don't jump down your throat, I'm sure somebody else will, because that's what happens around there. But that's the fun of it. And that's about it. All right, we're going to post a link to the top 100 games of all time that you Oh, thank that, you. That yes, thread. I forgot. That, okay, there's my plug. And that hopefully one day will be a book. That is my dream. It's sort of in the planning stages right now, and I've had some initial contacts, but uh, I don't just, just don't have the time to write the damn thing. But that's one day that will hopefully be turned to an actual book, just for people to yell at me about it even more. But just when I, I, I'm like, hmm, who should I get for it? Well, I, I came up with the idea for a wrestling video game show. I'm like, who should I get? And then I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, well, that answers that. Yeah. <laughs> so we will put up a link to that. I want to thank you for being on. Uh, I encourage everyone to visit joeversusworld.com or thecubsfan.com for a full archive of uh, all 30 previous shows. Many, much subject matter. You'll find something you like. Uh, I think that's it. We are going to start our year in review shows, probably with the next show, I imagine, next weekend. So, I guess that's it. Do you have any final words? Nope, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I will talk to you soon.